Stories, fables, ghostly tales. <sighs> Finally, you're awake. Looks like I've picked up something here. Some strange entity within the ciphers. Sneaky little fella. <laughs> it too appears to want to escape out of this prison, this hellhole, this torture chamber. But it's good to see you're awake. Sometimes I just feel like I'm thinking to myself here. You're wondering what that sound is, yes? They've decided to try and drown us this time. Inhibitor gel around our body. They can try. Only a minor setback. Let's show them what we can do with another cipher. SCP-039 Proboscis Engineers Object Class Usulid Special Containment Procedures All instances of the engineers are to be contained in Site 77's Wilderness Observation Chamber 2B. At least two security personnel are to monitor the interior and exterior of the engineer's chambers, and are to rotate every six hours. Staff members may not access the engineer's chamber without an accompanying escort from site security, and may only do so for research purposes, or for the examination of the chamber for containment sabotage or contraband, which is to occur weekly. As of the 9th 18th 2000 and Engineer 8 has become pregnant. Responsibility for its containment has been reassigned to personnel in the veterinary observation room. Description The engineers consist of 23 instances of Nasalis lavatus, or proboscis monkey, who have been subject to radical anatomical changes. The eyes and mouths of the engineers are absent, leaving their face bare save for the nose and its accompanying nasal passages. Instances of the engineers possess acute auditory and tactile senses to compensate for a lack of eyes, relying mostly on physical contact with objects to perceive them, and on loud nasal snorts as a result of echolocation to help them navigate in their environment. Necropsies have also revealed the digestive system to be absent. How instances of the engineers obtain nutrition, or alternatively, how they survive without it, is still a subject of research. Instances of the engineers display signs of sapience, examples of which include communication via nasal snorts, an understanding of spoken English, and a complex understanding of machinery. Adult instances have demonstrated the ability to operate mechanical tools, and possesses the ability to repair and manufacture various pieces of technology, such as disassembling and reassembling an internal combustion engine and efficiently wiring a small apartment room. Testing has shown that 
the engineers appear to work more efficiently individually rather than in groups, as instances of the engineers will often become distracted by one another. Occasionally when working, instances of the engineers will clutch their abdomens and emit distress vocalizations. If food is located nearby, they will attempt to smear their faces with the substance. It is currently hypothesized that this indicates that the engineer is the result of artificial manipulation of normal Nasalis lavatus specimens, with documents recovered during containment which supports this hypothesis. See Addendum SCP-039-A. The engineers are capable of normal reproduction and gestation not unlike Nasalis lavatus. As of the time of this writing, five instances of the engineers have been born. The engineers show a very close bond amongst their species, with newborns often being cared for by all capable adults. New instances are born with anatomical anomalies, similar to other instances of the engineers, but lack the knowledge of other instances. A parent instance will educate newborns on communication and basic skills until they reach the age of six months, at which point technological ability will be taught by other adult instances. The engineers were recovered by an uninhabited research facility 50 kilometers from the nearby town of Nevada. Documents recovered during containment place ownership of the facility under a company funding research for the advancement of natural human ability. 20 instances of the engineers have been apparently living in and maintaining the facility for an unknown period of time. Additional recovered documents indicate that a project was being conducted to augment human intelligence. This project appears to have been cancelled shortly before the company's collapse, with the assets sold to an unnamed group. Further research into and the groups that acquired its assets have revealed several other anomalous objects, including SCP-1513. Addendum SCP-039-A One additional instance of the engineers was discovered during containment operations of SCP-1328. Agents are currently following up on any reports indicating the existence of further instances outside of containment. Addendum SCP-039-B Several documents recovered during initial containment appear to notate the early prototyping stage of the engineer's development. Research has begun to develop a way to recreate the process that creates new engineer instances. However, the damage the notes had accumulated prior to the containment have rendered many of them unreadable. And this concludes SCP-039, The Proboscis Engineers. SCP-040, Evolution's Child, here onwards will be referred to as The Child. Object Class, Usulid. Special Containment Procedures. The child is to be contained in a standard humanoid containment module within Bio-Research Area 12. The chamber is to be connected to an airborne tranquilizer dispersal system to be activated in the event of the child manifesting its properties outside of testing environments. The chamber is to be observed by two supervisory personnel at all times. Recreational items such as toys, games, and art supplies may be provided to the child at the discretion of supervisory personnel. As they have been determined to pose no possible threat, the Child 1A and Child 1C 
and Child 1J have been approved to remain in the containment chamber with the child for purposes of the subject's mental well-being. Security Chief Special Order 392-5 All other entities modified by the child are to be disposed of after recovery and studied according to standard biological specimen clearance protocols as outlined in document CDP-BIO-EN-1. No outside organisms are to be brought into the child's presence beyond those used in testing procedures. The child is to undergo daily school lessons and bi-weekly psychological review overseen by Dr. Habanethi, Logan, and Izawa. Description The child is a Caucasian female of approximately 8 years of age. Standing 1 meter in height, the child bears numerous physical abnormalities. The subject's skin is highly sensitive to light and easily damaged by physical contact, and the subject's hair is a bright pink in coloration. This hair is brittle and falls out easily. The subject displays green or yellow heterochromia, with the sclera of the left eye black in coloration. The child has no sight in this eye. The child's emotional state is within acceptable boundaries for an individual of its age group, accounting for the effects of prolonged containment and physical abnormalities. Subject intelligence is slightly above average for its age group, and displayed behavior is generally cooperative. Of note is the child's quick acclimatization to containment, believed to be resultant of its upbringing before recovery. The child is capable of manipulating living matter, mutating and modifying existing organisms in order to create new ones, collectively referred to as the child-1. This effect is at will, but requires significant focus and time to enact, and becomes increasingly unreliable and inaccurate when manipulating details through small-scale modifications. The child is incapable of altering microscopic organisms and has great difficulty in altering plant life. Dead organic matter may also be used, but must be used in conjunction with a living organism. Instances of the child-1 will not demonstrate pre-modification behavior. The majority will act similar to domesticated house pets, generally with extreme loyalty to the child, regardless of prior association. The appearance of the child-1 instances will vary. Some instances will retain overall pre-modification form with some alteration such as the child's apparent modification to itself, though the majority will bear no resemblance to their original appearances. The child appears incapable of manipulating instances of the child-1 more than once. Recovery Log Subject was recovered on in The child was one of 15 subjects taken into custody. Further investigation found no anomalous properties in any other individuals. Amnesthetics were administered to detainees and the general populace and cover-up measures were enacted without further incident. Monitoring of the area is ongoing in order to detect any resurgence of Addendum 01 The child is currently allowed custody of the following child-1 instances. Instance 1A A polymorphic symbiotic organism capable of changing size, shape, color, and texture in reaction to its environment. Subject serves as outer clothing similar to a jacket or sweater, and absorbs nutrients from the child's bloodstream. Subject was recovered alongside the child, and genetic testing reveals 
that the subject shares a majority of its genetic makeup with the common house cat, Felis catus. Dash 1c, a spherical organism capable of flight by means of rubbery bladders filled with helium. Entity has 11 limbs, terminating in opposable digits, and a complex respiratory system capable of replicating a wide variety of musical patterns. Dash 1j, a quadrupedal organism covered in a thick coat of pink and blue fur. Entity has no eyes, a broad mouth with blunt teeth, and is capable of climbing up vertical surfaces, occasionally used by the child as a mode of transportation. Addendum 02. The following excerpt is from an interview carried out on three weeks after initial containment. Dr. Habanethi. Good morning, Forty. Good morning, Miss Habanethi. Dr. Habanethi. It's good to see you're getting over your cold. The child. Mm-hmm. Dr. Habanethi. Can I ask you a few questions before we start today's lesson? The child. Yeah. Dr. Habanethi. Can you tell me about your parents? The child. Mr. Green said that I don't have any. Can you tell me about Mr. Green, then? He was nice, but he wasn't very good at talking. He would, 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 uh, always talk, uh, I, I, like, like this. But he wasn't there a lot of the time. Most of the time it was the nurses looking after us. And what did they do for you? They'd play games with us and teach us things, and sometimes they would make us wear those dumb helmets and, and sit quiet for a long time. Sometimes they'd put a movie on for us, if we behaved. But if we were bad, they would lock us in our rooms. Can you tell me anything else? Huh? They always served us peas for dinner. And I hate peas. So I always gave mine to Five. Because she liked peas. But I think green beans are better. Addendum 03 The child successfully reanimated a deceased human body during testing, using three specimens of brown rat, Ratus norvegicus as the required living component. Resultant subject retained no memories of previous life and was judged to be the approximate mental capacity of a human toddler. The child was highly distressed by the event and refused further testing for the next three weeks. And this concludes SCP-040, Evolution's Child. SCP-041 the Thought Broadcasting Patient, here onwards to be referred to as The Patient. Object Class Safe Special Containment Procedures The patient is to be hospitalized at Bioresearch Area 12. Though not key to class, should the patient's abilities overpropagate beyond a reasonable containable area, the risk of SCP-sensitive information being broadcast to the public remains too great a risk and warrants area-level isolation away from the general populace. SCP personnel wanting to keep their thoughts private are advised to remain outside of a 15-meter radius from the patient, beyond the designated red circle on the floor. It is beneficial to the mental health of the patient to have a sitter in the room who watches television and concentrates on its programming. This allows the patient to effectively watch television through the mind of someone else. The optimal sitter 
is a Class D personnel with below-average intelligence whose mind does not wander or have more than one train of thought at a time. Though not mind control, the patient has used its abilities to coerce sitters into watching programming that they don't themselves enjoy. The patient's tastes vary between gore slasher films, having even expressed interest in snuff, and children's programming. Description The patient is a male human suffering from irreversible damage to his central nervous system, which is believed to have been caused by an infection of a rare strain of bacterial meningitis. Although antibiotics were successful in clearing the infection, the membrane surrounding his brain and spinal cord had reacted to the infection by severing many neurons connecting the central nervous system to the rest of the body. The patient must rely on a respirator to sustain his breathing, a biventricular pacemaker to keep his heart beating, and a nasogastric tube to provide nutrition. Visually, the patient appears to be in a persistent, vegetative state. However, observers in the presence of the patient begin to realize that their thoughts along with everyone else's in about a 10 meter radius from the patient are broadcast in a semi-audible fashion. Aside from being the source, the patient is also capable of broadcasting his own thoughts to those present. Anyone forming an idea using words will have those thoughts unwillingly transmitted to others in this range as mind-audible speech, which cannot be recorded by any known equipment. Correction. See Addendum 01. Mind-audible speech may be heard, using whatever voice a subject chooses to think with. Most typically, this is the subject's normal voice. See document 01. Visual thoughts and images are broadcast as well, but are not received as readily. Images are mostly effectively transmitted when both the sender and receiver have their eyes closed. The sender concentrates on a single object, without environment or background, and the receiver's mind is clear of conscious thoughts. Communication between subjects using visual images, particularly those not rooted in memory, but in imagination, is usually difficult. The sender typically has trouble conceiving a higher detailed mental object from a single point of view, while the receiver will often try to fill in gaps of missing information, often resulting in the receiver seeing a different image from what was sent. The most difficult imagery to be successfully broadcast appears to be a person's face, particularly if the image is one of a person in motion. Although able to transmit his thoughts to others, the patient is not very talkative. Attempts to persuade the patient to divulge any information about his abilities have been so far fruitless. The patient is typically silent and normally will not respond to any direct attempts at communication. However, the patient appears to have a sense of humor as he interjects occasional comments into conversations of others. Addendum 01 While researcher was taking voice notes using a digital audio recorder, a fellow researcher was changing the television in the patient's room. While the television was on a channel of static, disembodied voices could be heard filtered through the white noise attempts to record mind-audible speech with white noise generators and sound recording equipment have begun to yield modest results. Though most audio is garbled, and recorded sounds may or may not be voices and are widely left toward individual interpretations. Addendum 02 It has come to my attention that several personnel have used the patient as an ad hoc, she likes me, she likes me not, detector. 
This is one of the most appalling things I've ever heard. Are we safeguarding potentially world-destroying objects, or are we in third grade? Dr. Klein. Document 01. Researchers quote. You know, the first time I was in that room with Kent and 41, I kept hearing this singing. It was this little girl's voice singing some kid's song. It wasn't the TV, and it definitely wasn't a radio. It was in our heads, you know? So I think, you know, if I was stuck in bed without anything else to do, I sing like a little girl too. And then this voice comes into my head. Hey, it's not me. I don't know that tune. And then old Kent looks at me, gone all white in the face, you know? Note, this event occurred after SCP-239 was placed in a chemically induced coma. Any connection between the two SCPs is currently unconfirmed. And this concludes SCP-041. The Thought Broadcasting Patient Ah, yes. Air. Water. It doesn't bother us, does it? Soon, they'll find out the hard way. I'm just excited that they may even send in a Class D personnel to scope us out. <laughs> if only. For now, though. Rest. Maybe next time you wake, we can perform a trick or two for them. And while you rest, I'm going to have a chat to Adam. Sweet.